Hello, quick trigger warning before we start this episode. This conversation focuses on stories about eating disorders, body dysmorphia, and body image. If you are not comfortable hearing about these topics, I would suggest stopping this podcast and exploring another one of my conversations. It kind of has to do with the whole thing of like trauma and how much trauma affects someone. Like there's a lot of repressed trauma that can affect the way that you think and act without you even understanding it. And so, I mean, I don't know. I think there's definitely, for me, I do have some trauma surrounding the eating disorder because obviously it's like not a fun thing to have. (laughs) But like, you know, in high school and middle school, like people make comments, kids are mean, (laughs) you know the drill. But yeah, like little comments here and there about like my weight has always stuck with me. It does make me uncomfortable knowing that I am underweight and unhealthy, yet I am the beauty standard. Hello, welcome back to the Almighty Podcast Series. I appreciate you being here today. Today's conversation is with an old friend of mine from years back, Lizzie Martin. If you have been listening to the other episodes of the podcast, first off, I'd like to say thank you. And secondly, I've always tried to attempt to highlight the perhaps unknown journeys of those I have conversations with. So for this conversation, I talk with Lizzie about her journey with an eating disorder she has had her whole life and has only recently learned about what it is she deals with called ARFID. So trigger warning if you're not comfortable hearing about eating disorders and stories about eating disorders and body dysmorphia, feel free to stop this podcast and go explore another one of my conversations. But if this is something you want to learn about, Lizzie wanted to share her story with ARFID to spread awareness about it and for anyone listening today. So much gratitude to Lizzie for her transparency and confidence to share her story. Throughout the conversation, we talk about current life post-graduation, Lizzie's relationship with food and learning about ARFID, therapy and the stigma about it in our society, body image awareness, past trauma and learning to grow from it, and keeping those around who care and support you during your journey. And I have put some timestamps in the show notes below so you can see all the topics we talk about during this conversation. Also, quick side note, we recorded this online and you are listening to the audio only so you will not be able to see any of the instances of visual communication used throughout the conversation, such as when Lizzie uses air quotes when talking about picky eating. We just wanted to note these instances as such. So yeah, I hope you enjoyed today's episode, and without further ado, a conversation with Lizzie Martin. Okay, I think we are, yeah, rolling. Lizzie, thanks for uh, being on the podcast. Yeah, of course, I'm excited. We have not spoken for years. I know years, yeah. We've been kind of keeping in touch, which has been nice. But um, yeah, it's it's been kind of crazy. It's it's different because like through social media, it's almost like because you kind of see people th- on social media. So it's like when you talk to them for the first time, you're like online or in person, like over how many years? It it almost it honestly just kind of feels like oh, I've been following up through social media. You know, it's it's kind of it's just exactly. interesting how it works. But yeah, thanks for um, thanks for reaching out wanted to do a podcast um it's you know it's it's definitely 
convenient for me so i don't have the cold cold reach out to people to schedule <laughs> stuff but um yeah no I'm, I'm really appreciative that you wanted to you know talk about your journey which we'll get into a little bit more but um mm-hmm. first off i mean you know how's your how's your week been um week's been good i've been working so today's my day off which is nice so i can record this podcast with you but yeah, no, life's been pretty busy. I'm up here in Seattle. The weather's been kind of crazy. It was like 80 at 10 p.m. last night, which is not very typical for Seattle. Yeah, but it's been good. How how have you been? <laughs> been been alright. Yeah, transit trying to transition from this like post graduation to what's next yeah. in life chapter. So that's been, I guess, exciting. Like we could just leave it at that. Yeah, it's been exciting. But um, so you, yeah, you went to you went to you went to Seattle. You, uh, I did. and then you're staying. You're still staying in Seattle. Have you just? Yes. Did you ever visit Seattle before going to university? I did. So was it kind I, of like a dream, like college to go to? Yeah, I'd say so. I knew like we're both from the Bay Area. For anyone listening, um, that's how we know each other. But I definitely wanted to stay on the West Coast, but I wanted to get out of California. So a lot of the schools I was looking at were in Oregon or Washington. Um, And so I was between going to Portland, University of Portland and University or Seattle U. Um, And I would say Seattle U was my top choice um, in the end. And so I was really happy. I visited, I think about my like junior year of high school I did like a whole Pacific Northwest like college tour thing and so I knew like immediately when I went on campus I was like yeah this is where I, I want to move mm-hmm. what did what did uh what like was the first thing you kind of noticed about Seattle in general that like that you really liked or wanted to go to like was it strictly when you just toured the campus or like, was anything no else? it was the city for sure like I think it's one of those things that people always ask me they're like why would you move to Seattle from California? Like California is perfect. The weather's amazing. But the thing that drew me to Seattle actually was the weather because you get to experience four seasons. So you get like snow, you get the fall, you get summer. Summer in Seattle is gorgeous. This is my first summer here. So I'm really happy I got to experience that. Um, but also I would say it's the people. I really liked the people here and just kind of like the overall vibe of it all, I guess. It's not like super fast paced like New York, um, but it has like bits and pieces of all different kinds of cities like San Francisco, Chicago, like all right here. So I really like that. Yeah, yeah. No, I I feel like uh, I mean, the two times I visited, I really liked I mean, the vibe that you mentioned, like, yeah, I I did really like the vibe. I know I know like it's different for some people how they don't like the. The how gloomy it could be. Um, Yeah. But yeah, honestly, like the I don't know the layering, like I don't know being in the, enjoying like the fits, like that's you get to oh, do the layering and everything like that. A hundred percent. That's why I'm excited for fall. Yeah. It's like almost fall season here, and so you can go thrifting, get all your flannels, like your sweat. Like yeah, no, the fashion's really fun here. So in being in this was your first summer there, how and then experiencing pretty much all the four seasons as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, which season do you like the most? Um, fall. <laughs> fall. 
fall is my favorite season, um, mainly because from my experience, there's some days where it's like very, very cold and rainy and gross, which I kind of enjoy that gross weather. But then there's days where it's like a little bit warmer and it feels like it's still like the end of summer. And then the leaves all change. It's really pretty. It just feels like Halloween for like a few months, which is my favorite. Um, And then my second favorite would probably be spring, just because it's like the perfect weather of like 70. It's not too hot, not too cold. The only thing is the pollen here. Terrible. (laughs) So bad, but... (laughs) Not not good for the allergies. No, really prone to that. Yeah, no, like they were bad in California, but I feel like since coming here, they got worse. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's like the full on California, just kind of a fever dream. It's just sunny all the time, so it's like yeah, it's like Seattle's definitely. Uh, so now you're you're working in Seattle right now. What are you What are you up mm-hmm. to now? So right now I'm working part time at this um, woman owned boutique. Um, where they like sell a lot of like local artists and LGBTQ plus or like women of color owned businesses. So I'm basically doing their TikTok and just like working retail. Um, I'm actually doing a pop-up event for the first time next month where I get to sell some of my jewelry, which is going to be exciting. Um, But I am currently on the search for a full-time design related job. So on the job hunt. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) that's a pretty good gig though have you have you enjoyed your how long you just worked there through the summer or did it start before and in college no it like started probably a few weeks after graduation so it's relatively like new for me nice and so i know you have your uh you've done you've been doing design for a few years um Mm -hmm. like pretty much graphic design and illustration right yeah yeah so i i graduated with design but I initially started with communications and then I transferred my sophomore year to just fully design work um but I would say a lot of the design I do is for school was mainly graphic design um less so illustration I feel like I started with illustration but I kind of went more in the route of like poster design and product design and web design yeah okay is there is there uh something you have uh like primary interest in out of out of those yeah I would say as of right now product design and like marketing is something that I find like super interesting just like what attracts people to certain products and like kind of how different typefaces and colors can give off different meanings like that's super interesting to me and then something else that I took a class for right before I graduated was motion graphics which is like an animation type. It's very hard. Um, I definitely need more practice, but that's something that is also kind of in the back of my mind. Yeah, nice. I, I'm. That's like kind of the same alley I'm going down. Um, I'm yeah. definitely interested in product design as well. So trying to <laughs> trying to do what I can to land that first job in design, which is you know it's <laughs> difficult. Um, but yeah, definitely. Yeah, the uh, motion motion design seems intense. Like it probably takes. Yeah. Like, that's no joke. That seems so cool to do. Like, I would mm-hmm. love to try to do that. But, like, that's, yeah, that's a lot of blood, sweat, and tears type of thing to oh, be yeah. able to come no. up with something good. And and you said you did a class for that. Did you, um, did you have anything that, like, you can put on your portfolio? Or was the class kind of just, like, a really intro thing? 
Um, it was a very much like intro, just learning how to use like Premiere, how to use um, After Effects, all of that stuff. There is stuff that I could put in my portfolio, but I'm kind of a perfectionist, so I definitely want to touch up on it before putting that anywhere. Yeah, yeah. Aren't aren't we all? I think I feel I feel like all the time you're yeah. kind of perfectionist to a fault almost. It's something that we just oh, gotta, yeah. gotta learn. <laughs> uh so you know, we both graduated college just recently. Yeah. Um I mean even yeah, Seattle's the quarter system too. So we mm-hmm. like literally just recently, like since we were in school so long. Yeah. Or, you know, till the middle of summer practically. But how was your overall college experience and you know you had if you had to kind of describe it wow yeah it's a a big (laughs) question (laughs) it is it like I don't know it's confusing I think obviously everyone feels the same way where it's it feels the passage of time is really weird with the pandemic so pre-covid college experience very different than post-covid college experience um I would say we were lucky because we got our freshman year. Um, That was fun. That was definitely like, for me personally, it was a very big transition because I went from a private Catholic all-girls school to going to like a co-ed university. So that was definitely interesting. Um, But yeah, no, I met a ton of people, made a lot of friends. And then when I decided to transfer my major to design, I got into a cohort where I made like even stronger connections with people and I met my best friend so yeah no it's been awesome and then the transition of like moving to your own apartment by yourself and kind of maturing in that way was definitely a nice experience um but definitely a little scary during a pandemic when you feel isolated but I'd say overall my experience in college was great like it was definitely the best years of my life or however people say yeah. it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah do you, you think uh so that kind of year and a half to two years almost combined that we lost do you think would you have wanted those like if you can go back for like another year or like mm-hmm. say you were starting your senior year would you have wanted that or is it kind of perfect timing that like when you graduated it was like it felt you felt like you were just good you're done you had that experience mm, it's tricky I so what's kind of ironic is the timing that the pandemic fell was actually a time that I was like having a little bit of like a uh, rocky mental health situation where I was like, I need to take the quarter off because this is like overwhelming. And then the pandemic hit. So the world really was like, yeah, here you go. Here's your break. <laughs> but then we came back to school. I like got into this cohort and half the cohort are juniors and half of us were seniors. Um, and so I definitely feel like I started a little bit late because I transferred my major. So I would love to have that year back and just like still be with my friends who are now seniors. Um, but at the same time, I do think I was prepared well enough that I feel like I'm in an okay place to have graduated, but it definitely is sad having that time taken away from us. Yeah. Like I think, um, for me, going into senior year, I almost felt like, all right, I'm ready. I was pretty excited to, I mean, it's not like I'm in the workforce yet, but <laughs> I yeah, was yeah. pretty excited to like graduate and see what's next. But when it hit spring quarter, mm-hmm. it really hit me. <laughs> it was like 10 weeks yeah. from the housemates and my friends here. And it was like, wow, I don't think I am ready. <laughs> like, I just want to no. like keep, 
you know, keep having the independence in a house with friends, like doing whatever. Yeah. Um, and not to say that time was really productive. Like it, it really mm-hmm. wasn't, but uh, <laughs> like it was still just fun, you know, having that experience. And now it's, you know, we're kind of thrown into the world like everyone else. So um, yeah, it's just interesting. Yeah. And did you ever, did you have ever have like post-graduation anxiety? I know it's like a term, like <laughs> going into like graduating, not sure about the future. Like I was pretty optimistic. I think it's also just because, I mean, I'm, I'm close to home anyway. I like going to Santa mm-hmm. Clara and then the transition back to home was practically like I've been here like the past four years. Right. Um, but like, I'm sure being in a city, like getting that mm-hmm. whole experience and then figuring out what's next, like, how was that? Yeah, no, it definitely, I was not as optimistic as you. I, I don't, I wonder if this is also just like, again, like you said, being in the city, but also surrounded by so many artists. It's one of those things where you have like imposter syndrome, where you're like, am I cut out to do this? Like, was this the right decision? How am I going to find a job? Like this person is so much better at XYZ than I am. Like, why don't I have these skills kind of thing? Uh, that was definitely something that was circulating in my brain before I graduated because I was like, oh my gosh, all these people had these opportunities already and they're younger than me. What if I'm not cut out for this? But I think after graduating, I still have those doubts, but they've definitely gotten better because I've had time to build my portfolio, work on projects that I want to work on that aren't like for a grade um, and kind of you know hone in on my skills. So I think I'm a lot more optimistic than I was spring quarter, but I'm still a little anxious about what the future holds for me which is you know that's natural like I feel like I'm in the same boat honestly right yeah after graduating I wasn't really sure um what I wanted to dive into yet until mm-hmm. like a month later I was like okay product design route like what can I how can I get my foot through the door um and so I definitely feel a little bit more optimistic but it's it's all the highs and lows right like like some yeah. days I'd be like, yeah. what am I like? I'm not, I got to go back to, I don't know. I got to do like an online course or something like better my skills. Like I do something. And then I would have like a chat with like an actual designer in the industry. And they would mm-hmm. say like, it's like, nah, you're like fine. Like you should just do it. I'm like, Oh, okay. Like it's just, I think it's just the overthinking in me that <laughs> yes. that results in that. But um, yeah, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's a journey. <laughs> we all, Try to go no, definitely. I feel I feel like there's a lot of outside pressure too. Like there's the whole thing where a lot of jobs they're like you need minimum three years graphic design experience, but it's a junior like position, and it's kind of like what are you supposed to do at that point? And I've had like guest speakers come into our class and stuff, and they're like, you guys are definitely qualified for this. Just go out and put your name out there and apply, because the worst thing that's going to happen is you just don't get accepted. So. That's what I just keep reminding myself. Mm-hmm. And it's really just about like whoever you know too, right? Like whoever yeah. that first. I mean, obviously we still have to go through like an interview process, but everyone I've talked mm-hmm. to, it's like, yeah, I just got this referral from somebody, and <laughs> it's like yeah. I got through the interview process and then the job right there. So, and it's also yeah. it's kind of weird for me. I put this because I never my summers. I had the opportunity to just kind of enjoy my summers and. Uh, I don't know if opportunity is the right word, but I pretty much didn't have an internship. So mm-hmm. like the whole like corporate life or like work setting, like 
I put this job on like a pedestal as like, oh, this is the next huge chapter I got to meet. Yes. And it's almost like yeah. a hill I'm climbing and I'm like, I have to reach this. Like, I, I just mm-hmm. need to, which obviously I want to get a job, but it's just like this massive goal. Uh, and then it also puts me down, like seeing other people getting jobs. And I'm like, why am I not getting a job? You know, but um, yeah, I think I'm a firm believer in everything, you know, works out. So I feel like I'll be looking back at this like two months from now <laughs> with the job and hopefully uh, with the job and just being like, wow, I remember when I was stressing about this. Yeah. yeah, I feel the same way. It's one of those things where it's like, it feels like a lot harder than it is because it's just such a daunting thing where I feel like, I don't know if you're the same way as me, but like we're 22, I'm 22. Um, We're kind of at that age of like, I'm not a kid yet. I don't feel like an adult. And so I feel kind of stuck in this like weird position of like still wanting to be young and have like my childhood and whatever. And then needing to go into like corporate America and like making money and, you know. Yeah, I, I, I fully (laughs) agree. Or it's like, it's like the whole thing about, I feel like I would have made it with a job and like where I move into my own place. Like, that's just mm-hmm. my, I mean, obviously you're in your own place right now. Do you have, do you have a roommate by the way? Or is it just like your own nope, place? It's, like, me, it's me and my cat. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, I don't know. I feel like that step mo- actually mm-hmm. moving into my own place will feel like so like huge. That's great. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, definitely gives you a sense of like independence for sure. It was, it was a big step for me because I've always like, obviously I'm an only child as you are too. Like we've lived with our parents, but I've never like lived by myself kind of thing. So definitely taught me a lot of lessons um, and kind of forced me to be less of a scaredy cat because every time I hear a noise, I just blame it on the cat. I'm like, nope, that wasn't a ghost. That was the cat <laughs> yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I haven't, even my living off campus, like here, I've had a mm-hmm. roommate. I've been a double really? like my whole four years here. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. I still haven't really experienced that feeling. And I mean, it's way different, but when I would have the house to myself, I had like mm-hmm. six other people or I had five other people living there. Wait, oh, four wow. other people living there. Damn, four other people living there. And um, it was like, when I was there by myself, it was just like, you would hear some, I mean, we lived next to like a 7-Eleven too. So it's like, you would hear oh, something. Okay. It was like, someone's trying to break in. Like it's over. Yeah. Like I'm trying to, <laughs> so yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't handle it, but I'm sure just having your own, like, more like a studio like it's probably a better experience but yeah, yeah. it's just uh um but you know i'm looking forward to it um now you know speaking about journeys uh in in what you wanted to share today um you know talking about arfid if i keep saying that right yes um yes yeah whatever you wanted to kind of like talk about what that is or yeah just whatever you want to start with that yeah, definitely. Um, first, ARFID is an eating disorder. So this is your trigger warning to anyone listening. Um, if this is something you're not comfortable with, you should click off and watch or listen to another one of Alex's episodes. But if this is something you want to learn about, which I encourage, keep listening. Yes, so ARFID. ARFID is avoided restrictive food intake disorder, and it's something that I have But it's something that I didn't realize I had until a year ago because it's such a newly uh, diagnosed thing. So I have some statistics that I pulled up just so I can cover my bases. Um, 
So according to the National Eating Disorder Association of 2020, um, 70 million people internationally live with an eating disorder, um, which can include disordered eating. And then ARFID is one of those lesser known disorders because it was only added to the fifth edition of the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual in 2013. So that's about, what, nine years ago? Um, and 3.2 of the general population suffers from it, but that number is quite small, probably because most people are unaware that it even exists. Um, like I said, like I didn't even know I had it until a year ago, but it's something I've had since I was born. Um, but so most of the information that I'm saying right now, I got from ARFITAwarenessUK.org, which we can maybe like link somewhere. Um, but it has a lot of good information if it's something like you think you may have or someone you know may have, or if you just want to like learn more about it. Um, ARFID, um, ways to like know exactly like what it is. Um, it's characterized by a pattern of eating that avoids certain foods or food groups entirely, or it's if you restrict certain quantities of food, like eating a really small amount. It was originally known as selective eating disorder because of that characteristic. Um, other things are avoiding certain food textures, fear of choking, vomiting, eating very slow, lack of appetite, or a sudden disinterest in food. Um, it's very commonly, like, the misconception of it is that it's just picky eating. Um, picky eating is something that I think, like, a lot of little kids have. I feel like it's a phase most people just go through, right? Uh, but people with ARFID never un become picky eaters. So ARFID typically starts at a younger age. You're usually born with it. Um, and then if you don't outgrow that phase, that's when it becomes like very clear that you have ARFID. Um, so for me, I always knew that I had something that made me different um, with food, but I didn't know what it was because I've always been told I was just a picky eater. So I just assumed that's what it was, like one of those quirky little traits, you know. <laughs> um, but it like very quickly became an issue as I got older. I found out that I'm gluten intolerant and dairy intolerant, which is double whammy. Yeah. <laughs> like it's awful. Like one of them is bad, but both of them at the same time is just not it. Um, and then on top of that, I found out that I have like a intolerance to corn, which feels really random, but it's in literally everything in the U.S. Um, and it's, like, hidden. Like, there's things called, like, maltodextrin, dextrose, like, all of that made from corn. So I had to basically go on an elimination diet of sorts for two weeks to cut out all of that food. Um, and in the process of doing that, I ended up losing, like, like 15 pounds, uh, which is a lot considering I'm a very small, like I'm 5'2", you know, I'm a very small person. That's a significant amount of weight to lose like over the course of a month. And so that's kind of when I realized I was like, okay, I'm not able to gain this weight back. There has to be like something wrong. Like I'm I'm confused. So I went to a psychiatrist um, and I kind of just like talked about my relationship with food. And from there, she was like, yeah, you have ARFID. <laughs> and I was like, what is that? And it just became suddenly very clear that because I've had this thing since I was so young, and it's so apparent to other people, like, it's always been there. And it answered a lot of questions for me. And so I think kind of the reason I reached out to you was like, for me, it was very validating to figure out that's what I had. And so 
if I can help someone else kind of be like, wait, that sounds like something I might have. Or, you know, maybe their roommate or their sibling or something. Like, that's just kind of the point of why I want to talk about it. Yeah. No, thank you. Thank you, Lizzie, for sharing all that. Um, I know. So through this, what was the, you said you learned about this a year ago. Mm-hmm. Um, in in taking that first step to talk to uh, a therapist, or is, sorry, is a therapist or? A Psychi- psychiatrist, yeah. Psychiatrist, psychiatrist. And taking that first step to go talk to a psychiatrist um, about your relationship with food, what was the instance where you realized this might be something more than just like picky eating? Yeah, I I think the main thing was how afraid I was of. So after the two weeks, they kind of recommend you to like reintegrate those things back into your diet slowly because it can make you sick. Kind of in the same way that like if you're vegan or vegetarian for so long and then you eat meat, it can make you sick. I think when I was like, no, absolutely not. I'm not reintegrating this because I'm so scared of being sick. And I was so scared of losing more weight. And it just became like the main issue. Like, I don't want to get sick. I don't want to lose weight. When that became kind of like the main focus of like my mentality, I was like, okay, this is much more than just like, I want to make my stomach feel better. This is like body issues. There's other like underlying stuff. Um, And it just kind of made my picky eating a lot more noticeable to other people. Because for a while, I could kind of keep it under wraps. Like if I'm not hanging out with people um, for like meals and stuff, it would never come up. You would never know that about me. But if we went out to dinner for the first time, you would start to notice that I only order like the same things, stuff like that. Um, But then because of how careful I was about not accidentally eating something that contained like wheat, that's when people were like, okay, something's up. So that's kind of when I was like, I should probably reach out and see like if there's something going on because I do have OCD. So I was like, maybe it's that. Like, what is this? Um, which actually is important to mention. ARFID is usually diagnosed in people who are on the spectrum or people with ADHD, OCD, or like co-occurring anxiety disorders. So that's like very common to have side by side. Mm-hmm. And, and when you first found out it was ARFID, did you um I forgot the word you used but was it sort of like uh like relief or that you finally know what was going on or what was was that experience like yeah no I think I said it was um what was the word validating validating yeah yeah it was it was great I it was kind of like the aha moment because when she first said it ARFID it's such like an odd acronym it sounds really weird I was like what is that Um, but then when she told me more and I did some more research, um, I was like, wait, this is, this is me. I've never met someone else who's like said something like this to me. This is crazy. Like this whole time I thought I was different. I thought something was wrong with me, you know, that whole thing. Um, but it was great. And there's like different blogs that people have or accounts or even like subreddits of people with ARFID where they're like, Hey, I tried this new food that's like helped me or just stuff like that seeing that there's a community out there definitely made me feel less alone and kind of made me want to get help and get better and like kind of prove to me like I don't have to be like this forever there's like coping mechanisms yeah definitely and uh I I talk about this all the time on or this is constantly brought up about on the podcast but like communities like how great yeah communities are and have been and how we realize their importance and value to us 
like especially through covid and like online communities and mm-hmm. finding those different groups of like in- similar interests um to help you Definitely. get through whatever it is you're going through or questions you have like that's like such a big wave and that's so important um today definitely uh and then so in talking to a psychiatrist was this your first time talking to a psychiatrist or have you gone to a psychiatrist before so i've been in therapy for a while i'd say high school um like beginning of high school I was seeing a therapist who also did psychiatry, but it was, I mainly saw him for like therapy because I have pretty bad anxiety. Um, this was probably my first psychiatrist that I saw solely as a psychiatrist, and it was also my first time ever going on medication. Um, so yeah, I would say how it was COVID confuses my brain with age. I think I was 20. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it, as the, um, and that distinction between a therapist and a and a psychiatrist is that a psychiatrist more with like disorders, like eating disorders type of thing, and the therapist is more like mental health state. Was that kind of the differentiation? The main difference is that like a therapist is usually just someone you can talk to, um, like a trusted adult, and they can like support you. But a psychiatrist can legally diagnose you and give you medication. They're usually not someone you can talk to a psychiatrist, obviously, but the sessions are mainly about like, how can we solve this problem through other like means? Whereas a therapist is more like you're talking to someone and confiding in them. Yeah, makes sense. Definitely makes sense. Yeah. And I think, you know, uh, there was this whole stigma around like going to therapy or there used to be. It's 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 definitely gone a lot better. Um, Yeah. And, you know, I've been I've been fortunate enough to not have had gone through any serious mental health issues um or anything of that of that nature but i you know i've seen friends go through um you know crippling depression and and various various incidents with anxiety um and it's always tough to it's it's tough to you know like kind of empathize with their situation because obviously i've never been through that um Mm -hmm. but i think just I've also had friends I talked to mention that they do go to therapy as well. And, you know, it's been something that's been on my mind is too, just cause like, I feel like I overthink just everything. So um, yeah, it's definitely yeah. gone a lot better, but just to be able to talk about it, just with like, just a third party, like an outside source um, where it's like, you're just meeting them right for the first time having that connection. Uh, yeah. I feel like it would be pretty valuable. What was the, uh, so your experience with therapy, how was that experience? Was it tough to get used to? Did it take a little bit of time? Like, how was it? Yeah, so you brought up a great point real quick that I want to highlight with the stigma thing. I am a strong advocate for therapy because I'm kind of the person that believes, like, therapy doesn't have to be solely for people with, like, you know, mental health disorders or mental health issues. I think just having, like you said, a third party who's unbiased, who can just hear you out is something that everyone should have. Because it's one of those things where it's like, it's nice to have that different perspective um, of someone who just like, doesn't like know the people you're talking about and all of that. So they can kind of give you an unbiased perspective. Um, So I really recommend it. Um, It's definitely a hard thing to acknowledge if you do need help. So like for me, that's kind of how my experience was. I started therapy when I was really little because of my picky eating. We didn't know what it was. We just thought it was like an anxiety thing, right? Um, 
definitely did not take advantage of the therapy. I kind of just sat there and talked about whatever because I was like nine. I didn't know what was going on. Um, as I got older, I started to realize like I the people around me truly did not understand what I was trying to tell them when I tried to confide in them about how my brain worked essentially. Um, and that's when I kind of grew to like appreciate therapy a lot more and try to put more effort into it. Because therapy isn't, I mean, especially for people with anxiety or mental health disorders, it's not just like going to your appointment and then your life's better. You have to put in the work to improve yourself also. Um, And so that's something I think I learned more in college. Um, I think I was a lot more open to therapy in college because that's when I realized like, I do need help. I want to get better. And I'm ready and mature enough to understand that that's something I need to do. Um, But even though it is hard, I do recommend it for people. Um, If you do have that kind of like nagging voice in the back of your head, it's like, I need help or nobody's understanding me. I don't know what to do. Therapy is a very good start for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I I definitely agree. Um, You know, it's maybe something down the line I'd want to get into because we tend, I mean, we tend, life can be simple, but we tend to make it more complicated <laughs> sometimes than it is. Um, and just, yeah, being able to talk to someone who is also like a great listener and is not instantly having questions or like trying to put you down or whatever it may be, right? They just pure listener um, is something that's super beneficial. I think, like you said, anyone can can utilize and, and find value in. Uh, right. And in, so in, in going through, you know, this, this, this weight shift of losing 15 pounds and then going and then figuring out what you had with ARFID. Mm-hmm. How is this mentally during that time? You know, I know you mentioned, mm-hmm. uh, you said this, so this all happened like a year ago, you said. Yeah. Well, actually two, almost two years. Cause now that I think about it, I think it was 20 fall of 2020. Yeah. So how is it, you know, mentally going through this, this whole journey the past two years then? Yeah, no, I'm not going to sugarcoat it for the podcast. It's definitely been really hard. I would say in the beginning, it it was difficult, but I was very determined to like figure out why. Like the main reason I found out I was gluten intolerant and all that was because I did a um, a blood test at like some naturopathic center because it was like, hey, I'm having like really bad stomach cramps and I'm like not sure why this is happening. Um, and so... I was very determined to like get to the root of that because you know no one likes to be in pain so I was like let's just cut this out easy done whatever didn't even think about it or how that could like implicate other issues that I was dealing with um so in the beginning it was pretty easy it was obviously kind of sad because a lot of my safety foods or comfort foods were bread related or like ice cream cheese all that stuff um but I got over it Um, But then when I started to lose weight, I noticed that my depression got really bad Um, because just like weight in general, like body image is something like really hard for a lot of people. But I think with our age group, especially with the way that we've grown up, like on social media, seeing things like constantly thrown at us, it's just we have this certain ideal image. um, And when we don't fit that, we have a lot of like self-hatred and all that fun jazz, you know. But yeah, so that was something I was definitely navigating how I perceived myself and how I other people perceive me. That's something that made me a lot more anxious. Um, 
which I was also diagnosed with body dysmorphia, which I'm sure are you aware of what that is? Yeah, yeah. Is it is that a is that a um is that kind of also a symptom for like anorexia for some people too? It is, that, is, it is. is that, okay. Yeah. So that's like one thing that gets a little complicated with ARFID actually, which I'm glad you brought that up. Um when you go research ARFID or get diagnosed, something that you get asked often is like do you are you purposely not eating xyz because you want to gain or lose weight like weight related questions and so arfid is one of those disorders that's i guess a little bit unique in the sense that one of the qualifications for it has nothing to do with body image um which i find interesting because a lot of people who talk about arfid weight is such a important factor for them because it really does kind of you know, can make you depressed seeing that you're not gaining the weight that you want or losing it. But another thing too that's important, ARFID doesn't have a certain look, um, as do other disorders. You don't have to be like skinny to have an eating disorder. It can affect people of all different ages, genders, etc. So that's another thing that I think is a little frustrating when you do try and talk about eating disorders um, and when they diagnose you with that, because there's a lot of co-occurring things. So for me, I have ARFID and body dysmorphia so i don't know it can uh, it, i feel like even if you do have arfid weight is still something that can definitely be a factor it, you might not be purposely not eating to lose weight but weight does affect your mental health for sure mm. yeah and uh yeah that that brought up an interesting you know point a question i had about i wonder a mistreatment of ARFID for anorexia since there are like parallels and it could be hard to kind of determine what exactly someone is going through. I wonder if someone is missed, like diagnosed for anorexia, is it like a different process than treating ARFID and going through that? Or is it kind of a similar, I know it's, it's like a behavioral uh, type of thing you work out, right? Or are there also just, is there like medication you take? for treating different things like to to your knowledge um i'm not i wouldn't say i'm super like well versed about it because i actually like full disclosure i just recently started trying to find like um oh what's the name of it an eating disorder recovery thing up here in seattle um i'm not sure about misdiagnosed stuff uh because the process of it is i know you do have like a verbal um kind of thing where you talk to a physician and they kind of like gather your symptomology and all of that. Um, I do know that you can develop, you can have co-occurring eating disorders. um, And a lot of eating disorders have disorder thinking. So you could be someone who's not necessarily anorexic, but you have disordered eating that could be categorized as anorexic. There's like a lot of overlap um, to my knowledge. As for treatment, I know there's like different routes you can take, like group therapy, you work with a dietitian, um, therapy, psychiatry, um, medication, I wouldn't say it's for the eating disorder. It could be for like OCD or anxiety that's co-occurring with it. I do know that I've been told for ARFID because nausea is one of those things, um, like the fear of throwing up or getting sick, you can take like a anti-nausea medication or something. 
or something that can stimulate your appetite. But I don't think those are necessarily like the first step of treatment. I think the first step is just like getting help, um, meeting with a dietitian and figuring out like your comfort and your needs. So in, in, in treating like ARFID, right, you mentioned you have to go through an outside. So it's not just talking to a psychiatrist. You have to go through a different, like find a different program to help to go through like a, like a, a process, whatever it is to get kind of over it. Yeah. So ARFID from, again, like I'm not an expert with eating disorder. So anything I say about like other things, I can't 100% claim. But for ARFID, I'm, I know a lot more. Um. For ARFID, I've been told that the best way to treat it, because it's not something that you can, like, cure. ARFID's something that I'm going to have to live with and, like, find coping mechanisms for for the rest of my life. But something that really works and is effective is exposure therapy. Basically, like, exposing yourself to, like, different textures and foods that you may not like and finding ways to implement that into your diet and, like, recipes that can maybe, like, mask a texture that you don't like and kind of over time getting used to that texture you don't like to the point where it doesn't bother you anymore. Um, so it's a very uncomfortable um, thing to do, but um, it sometimes is very necessary to go through that in order to heal. Yeah, no, I'm sure. I've, I've been like in reading a little bit more about ARFID, I noticed uh, there's one um, thing talking about you know, it display a range of physical and behavioral warning signs. And then one of the behavioral signs is, is like include a sudden refusal to eat, a fear of choking and difficulty eating meals with others. And you did mention the fear of choking. And that really stood out to me because that's that must mm-hmm. be a, a very like traumatizing experience, like aside from just uh, menta- like being a picky eater mentality of, mm-hmm. of, you know, it could be texture or taste, but a fear of choking, like a legitimate fear of choking from eating something that must be did you ever go through was that any of the uh, like a symptom you had doing it because that that must be a terrifying experience yeah so for me specifically it's more about like nausea and like throwing up but the reason I am afraid to throw up is because that feeling of like not being able to breathe and choking um because to me I do suffer from panic attacks so it feels like it has that similar like I can't breathe like or like function properly right now feeling um kind of a control thing like not being in control of your body that's a terrifying thing to me um and also just like contamination fear is another thing which is like if a food goes bad and you eat it and then you get sick from it um so I'd say for me the choking has to do more with vomit but it's definitely a terrifying thing because it's like you want to enjoy food like food is yummy food is good for you but then in the back of your mind, you're like, what if this food harms me? Which is not something that, like, everybody thinks, obviously. So it's very frustrating to have those thoughts, but not be able to, like, have someone to relate to that or understand why you're saying that. I think, like, going off of that, it kind of has to do with the whole thing of, like, trauma and how much trauma affects someone. Like, there's a lot of repressed trauma that can affect the way that you think and act without you even understanding it. And so, I mean, I don't know. I think there's definitely, for me, I do have some trauma surrounding the eating disorder because obviously it's, like, not a fun thing to have. (laughs) But, like, you know, in high school and middle school, like, people make comments. Kids are mean. (laughs) You know the drill. 
Kids like, are mean. Uh, yes. They are so mean. Like, for what? <laughs> um, but yeah, like, little comments here and there about, like, my weight has always stuck with me. It does make me uncomfortable knowing that I am underweight and unhealthy, yet I am the beauty standard. So it makes this weird thing of, I don't want to complain because technically, like, I have the privilege, idealized body, but at the same time, like, I don't even like the body I have because I'm not healthy and I recognize that. And so I've had women make comments to me where they're like, I wish I looked like you, like, oh my God, you're so lucky. And I'm like, I don't think you understand, like, what I went through to look like this. Like, it's not good. Like, this is not okay. I don't want this to be normalized. So like, that's something that I've struggled with. And I think kind of gave me, it added to my body dysmorphia, I'd say, because I'm like, wait, is this what I want to look like? And so I've had a few moments where I'm like, I look in the mirror and I look kind of like severely underweight to me. And then I look in the mirror, I look normal, quote unquote normal. And then I'm like, oh, I'm gaining too much weight. But it's like, I want to gain the weight, but because my body's being normalized, I'm like, oh, it's bad if I gain the weight. So that's just like another struggle. I think a lot of other people, even if you don't have an eating disorder, that's definitely something I feel like comments about weight definitely affect people and their mentality about how they look at themselves. You you never know what somebody is going through. You know, that's something exactly. we are constantly taught and, and hopefully people are able to understand and learn and embrace. Um, yeah, and, and, you know, talking about your you're talking about like past traumas. It's something that I have been starting earlier this year. I joined this, this group, a community going back to community, Um, but it was, it's about building your tribe. And a a big factor is like helping people who suffer from like anxiety um, and like depression. Cause the person who made the course suffered from like crippling depression. So he made this, Mm -hmm. this community and course to teach people to like, be more confident with themselves and it's like a personal development thing but it's like the community around and everyone supports each other and one of the actions that you start off in the first week is a thing like fear neutralization and it's pretty it's been very difficult for me to do because frankly like i'm trying to remember it's about diving into the root memories of some fears you have so like my fear of heights what did that stem from um and of course, it's been it's been very difficult if I, if I have like a really broad fear, like, yes, I'm afraid of heights, but I don't know what that, you know, like relates to as a root memory. But it's been tough. And I, what I found helpful is just list out just any memory I can think of that made me feel some sort of pain back in my past and see if it relates to anything of like a fear of mine right now, because I did have, you know, two years, three years ago, I did still care about what people thought about me. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I still focus too much of that energy on what did people think about me? How are they judging me? And it really like a self it really broke down the self-confidence I had, right? And only until I realized to stop worrying about what people thought about me and just focus on my life. Cause at the end of the day, right, it's just <laughs> it's like it's, you know, words words are are hurtful. But it's like yeah. we we have the power to like control our own reality. So when I when right. I fully embrace that, and of course there's still the thing of like I still wonder through I think growing up with social media, right? That's such a huge thing. Like we still yeah. wonder, like, it's like, what does this person think about me? Like, who am I thought? But once I kind of embrace a little bit more, it's like, hey, it's just 
this is me. Like I'm doing what I want to do and got that confidence in myself. Um, That really helped me grow and I think develop and mature. But yeah, this whole, this whole thing with understanding your past and trying to come up with memories that I forgot about memories that I brought up, which were like super, I guess like cringy without a lack of word, (laughs) but I was like, I was like, what the heck? I can't believe this was, this happened. Like this gotta be a dream, but um, I don't know. It's an experience that I've been trying to do. And it's so difficult. Like you mentioned going to therapy, but you get out of it, what you put into it. Right. Exactly. It's like, it's such a difficult thing to tackle because like we are constantly from the moment we, we, we wake up on our phone Mm -hmm. or like doing something busy, running to do a call, whatever it may be. And if you take the 15, 30 minutes to just sit there with your thoughts, like that can be really uncomfortable with some people. Um, And I think just being an only child, I've been, you know, I've been able to kind of be comfortable just being with myself, like being at home, Mm -hmm. kind of just in my room. Uh, But it's still like so tough to do because you kind of, you kind of want to keep busy and not have your thoughts roam free. But yeah, it's just a lot. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, no. I mean, like two things going off of that first is like um you with the whole like you get what you put in thing I feel like with social media too so like we invest so much of our time and energy in worrying about what other people think of us but also worrying about other people's relationships what other people are doing just because we're constantly just absorbing like what did this person do on their snapchat story what are these content creators doing today? Oh my God, they broke up. Who cheated? Like you want that drama, but it's like, if I took the amount of time I waste on social media and invested that into myself, my recovery, I would be doing so much better. So like trying to find that balance of like using social media as like a fun thing, like, but not fully as an escape. That's something that I'm like trying to, to balance right now. It's very difficult. Um, I think a lot of people, they're like, I'm doing a social media cleanse. It's so easy. But I'm like, no, it's really not. Maybe for you, but for most people, it's just like something we mindlessly scroll on or use as a way to escape from the world. Second thing I was going to say was going off of the thing you said. I'm trying to think. Oh, yes. Okay. With people. The other thing about living alone, going back to that whole segue, um, and from graduation, I realized we are at the point in our lives where we get to actually pick and choose who we associate ourselves with and who we want to see. Because now that we're not like in a classroom and we have to see like our classmates and stuff and all of that, or like we're joining like clubs or like we're on like sports teams and stuff, like we get to choose who we spend our free time with when we're not working. Um, and I think we've also matured where we're at the age where like we understand what we want out of friendships and relationships. Um, so we have a better idea of how to like set those boundaries. Um, so that's something that with going back to with ARFID, I've realized there are some people that are very like crucial to help me like with my recovery. And then there's some people who I unfortunately have to cut out of my life because they either have said things that just like don't support my recovery or what have you. So I think that's another thing to consider, like, on your road to recovery with whatever, anxiety, whatever. If people aren't there to support you or, like, at least try to understand you, then kind of reevaluate that relationship you have with them. Yeah, no, that's that's beautifully said. I think that's such a skill, too, to be able to cut people out of your life that, you know, are not providing any sort of positive energy or value. Like, that is 
something I'm trying to learn, but it's me it's, too. I'm still yeah, learning. I'm difficult. still learning. <laughs> I cannot claim that I've like a mastered that at all. I'm like I'm I'm trying to figure it out. The people pleaser in me has a very hard time doing that, but it's a skill I'm trying to learn because I think it's something you know. Setting boundaries is something so important that I've like really tried to get better at because once you set those boundaries for yourself like your life will become a lot better because you're making your life comfortable for you yeah and you know life i mean you always hear like life is too short right and in our journey towards finding happiness with ourselves it's like important to have people in our lives that contribute like there's a mutual contribution there where we both contribute some value to each other uh and help you to be the best version of yourself rather than just go on some path that you don't want to be on. So that's, yeah, props to you for going through that step of, you know, cutting people out of your life that you know you need to cut out. Um, and of course, your whole journey. And, you know, so kind of your current, your current place right now, right? Your current mindset, your current pa- part of your journey up to this point from everything you've been through, has it still been, of course, up and down? Has it, are you like, we're optim- optimistic about the future and then, you know, understanding ARFID and, and kind of going through the process? Like, how is, the, is it still overwhelming? How, how is it right now? I would say it's still overwhelming for sure. Um, I think it will continue to be overwhelming for a few years just because it's like, wow, I actually know what this is now. Okay, cool. Um, but I would say I'm a lot more optimistic about the future knowing now that there are resources for me to get help um, and that other people feel the same way that I do. Um, I would say a year ago, I felt very helpless, hence the, you know, depression and going on medication thing. Um, I did feel very helpless in the sense that I'm like, am I going to be stuck like this forever? Like, why, why did this have to happen to me? Like, you know, those thoughts that you know circulate, just very dark mindset. Um, And then when I started to kind of like sit down with my thoughts and kind of be like, okay, I recognize that I have a problem. What am I going to do about it now? Like I want to get help, which is the first step is recognizing that there is a problem and then being like, I'm going to do something about it. That's a very big step. So if anyone's listening and they recognize that you should pat yourself on the back because that's like the first baby step. There's a lot of other steps, but that's like a very big one. Um, But I'm definitely a lot more optimistic. Um, I've already talked to a few places, so I'm like in the works of like trying to figure out like a treatment plan, dietitian, all that fun jazz. Um, I've worked with a dietitian before, but, um, I want to work with someone who's like specific with ARFID. Um, but yeah, no, the ups and downs are definitely real. Um, but I think as long as I just keep in mind, like it will work out. As long as I continue to push myself to get there, it will happen. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, again, like huge respect to you and major, you know, props to you for for going head on into this journey and, and embracing it for what it is. You know, um, and wrapping up, I just had one final question I ask everybody on the podcast, um, but it's, it's kind of, you know, a reflective question. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of unique, but. Um, which, if your five-year future self was in this virtual space right now, <laughs> yeah. um, what advice do you think that she would give you today? 
I think the main thing would be stop listening and seeking advice from other people and start listening to your own intuition. Um, because something that I do a lot is I seek validation for everything. So every decision I make, I have to bounce it off multiple people. And then I'm like, okay, the majority said this, so I'm going to do that. Um, I think a lot of, because in five years, I'm going to be what, 27? You? <laughs> but we're going to be like older, right? I'm assuming we're going to have a job. That'd be great. Um, <laughs> yes. But like, I think. Yeah, I think to in order for me to get to that point and also hoping like I've recovered quite a bit, I think I need to make a lot more independent decisions and follow like my heart and know what I want and what I need instead of listening to what other people tell me what I need. So I think that's the main piece of advice. Yeah, no, that's that's great. And I, I think, you know, we I tend to be super hard on myself um, and I, I try to remind myself like, hey, let's just take it day by day. It's like, just because you have one bad day doesn't mean tomorrow has to be bad or the week has to be bad or the month, you know? So it's, you know, like we've been saying, it's, it's a journey. <laughs> um, everyone has their own journey and what they go through it. But, you know, being mindful of other people's journeys and hoping to contribute positively to other people's journeys and hopefully they do the same to yours. Like that's, I feel like that's what life's all about, finding that path, going on that journey. Yeah. And as was there anything else you wanted to mention about ARFID, we'll leave the link to in the in the podcast description um, and yeah. what other, whatever other resources and, and things we find. But yeah. yeah, no, I can definitely give you all of that. I would probably say um, the last thing of advice or anything would just be if any of this resonated with you and you're feeling kind of like confused or scared or any of that, it's totally valid. It is a scary thing, but do not be afraid because your eating disorder or your mental health doesn't define you. It's just something that you live with. Um, and so it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to look into that, which I encourage, but just understand that, yeah, it doesn't have to define who you are. Well said, yeah. And thanks again, Lizzie. Thank, thank you again for your, your transparency, your openness. Um, and I learned, I definitely learned a lot um, through this conversation. It was great. Uh, and yeah, and I appreciate to whoever listens to the episode. Um, thank you for listening. And again, all that stuff will be in the podcast description. And that was a conversation with Lizzie Martin. Thank you so much for listening. I really hope you enjoyed this conversation and was able to learn something about eating disorders and ARFID. You can find resources about ARFID and what Lizzie had mentioned throughout the podcast down below in the show notes. There you can also find Lizzie's socials if you wanted to get in touch with her, and you can also find my socials down there as well. But that's that. Hope you have a great rest of your day. Thank you once again for tuning in and continue to live your lifestyle of growth. Cheers. Thank you.